When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons, and Dr. Roto from Series. XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. Your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. We are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best stats in the industry. If you follow me on Twitter and you see all the college football stuff I post, I get almost all of my stats exclusively from them. It is hard to find such great college football stats, and they have them in extreme depth. It is awesome. They also have MLB and NFL stats on there as well and basketball stats on the way. It is just $15 for a year membership, which is probably one of the best deals you can find when it comes to a stats website like this. And if you use our code round table, you will get 10% off of that. So an exclusive deal with us, obviously with using the code round table and an exciting and awesome opportunity for you guys to get in on a, a stats website that is just phenomenal will help you become a better fantasy player and again for for 10% off $15 is just ridiculous value as well check them out for today's podcast we're doing the usual it's Monday Matt is with me the mats are back at it we will attack seven of the games from the Sunday slate pushing the Broncos Browns game because I don't want to delve into that right now my heart cannot handle it I've uh, got a couple breaking news things as well so we'll jump in bring Matt in we'll go over seven of the games of Sunday and as always on mondays we've got mr matthew fox with us matt how was your uh sunday of football and fantasy uh some of it was pretty good you know the actual football part uh, was better for me probably than it was for baker mayfield uh but the fantasy part is always a little bit of a mixed bag. I may have started Adam Thielen in a couple of places, so I didn't have that loving Thielen. And uh, Allen Robinson and the rest of Chicago was not a great play, um, except for Montgomery, who I thought would not be a great play. Yeah, uh, I've, I've almost, in all honesty, given up on the fantasy season. I have like a handful of teams that are doing good. This has just really not been my year. Uh, I went in all in on the Browns on a lot of teams, and well, we, we all know how well the Browns are doing in real life, which, which coordinates to how well they're doing in fantasy, so it's just been... Quite honestly, pretty horrible year all around for me. So I've got, I've got a couple I, good teams that are working, and I'm trying to lean all into those at the moment. 
I think my fantasy day can best be summed up by my longest standing kind of home league. Yeah. Uh, in which I was down 110 points going into the afternoon games. And I thought, well, that happened. Um, but thanks to Russell Wilson and Lockett and uh, Philip Lindsay, I started to make a comeback. And instead of losing by 110 points, I lost by 1.5 points. Ugh. Well, here, I can I can sum up my fantasy season for you here. And one of my home leagues as well were the past. So I've only been in it now for this will be our sixth year. And I've won it three out of five years. I lost it last year in the championship game because uh, – which is my fault. I don't know if you've ever gotten this. I, so I had won it uh, the first year I was in it. Then I finished second place. Uh, and then I finished uh, – then I won the championship, won the championship. And I, I feel like I probably got a little bit complacent. I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm winning this league every year. I don't have to pay that close attention to it. And so in the final week of the season, I had Odell Beckham on my team. They ruled him out. I think it was Saturday, maybe Saturday or Friday. And my opponent very smartly goes in because it's a waiver wire thing after Wednesday. You can pick up anybody you want. Dropped all of the players he didn't need and picked up all of the best wide receivers off the waiver wire to block me from picking up anybody good to play in, instead of Odell. At which point I had to go in and the best available player was Mr. Tim Patrick of the Denver Broncos, who had a couple good games at the end of the season. I lost by .8 points. Had Case Keenum not thrown that interception at the end of the game, I believe it was against the Oakland Raiders on that Monday night football game that he was throwing to Tim Patrick. If Tim Patrick catches that, I win three straight championships in a row. And that in that league right now, I'm about to lose uh, 62, probably close. It's projected 160 something uh, because he has Dak, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper to go. But this is what I've been going up against every week, where I'm playing the highest scoring team. So he had Christian McCaffrey, which we all expected was going to have a good game, right? You kind of factor in our eye. Right, McCaffrey's probably going to get him anywhere from 20 to 40 points. So you've got that going. He, for whatever reason, decided to pick up Noah Font and. Jameson Crowder off the waiver wire and play both of them. 18 points for Jameson Crowder, 22 points for Noah Fant, which, you know, I just loved watching that happen. And then he also, for whatever reason, decided to pick up and play Duke Johnson this week, who also got him 16.6 fucking points. And that that's kind of the way that my season has gone. Like, I've just, this is the one that I have uh, Juju and um, Stefan Diggs in. So you know how well my day went with those two. Both combined didn't even get uh, eight points. So yeah, it's just no, been I played them one of those together seasons. in a couple of leagues. Actually, that one where I was down 110 points, uh, a big part of it is because my starting three wide receivers in the morning were Thielen and uh, Diggs and um, Juju. So I was like, "What the?" Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Like I said, it's just it's just, and I feel like that's all my whole season has been this year. Even my home dynasty team where I'm loaded, it's just. For whatever reason, yep. my teams cannot just get off the schneid here, and it's it's been oh, it's been a ridiculous season. I just I really, as an NFL fan and fantasy fan, just want the season to end already. And I hate saying that because it's only week nine. But let's I had go. a couple places where I had to play uh, Noah Fant yesterday because uh, my primary tight end is Austin Hooper, uh-huh. and they were obviously on a bye, and right. I didn't see anybody else I thought was worthwhile you know, drop and pick up. And I'm like, well, I'll just play them, see what happens, get my three points. Yeah. Well. Watch that 75-yard touchdown, I thought. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the Browns knew how to tackle. But we're not going to talk about that game today. I'm going to torture myself today. At least you don't have today. to worry about Whitehead anymore. Yeah, that's true. We can dive more into that tomorrow as well when we get into that. It's a, that's a, 
I almost thought about just breaking down like every game today except for the Monday night football game so we can just do like a full diatribe here on the Cleveland Browns on the next episode, but I figured a lot of people probably don't want to hear that. It was taking a, a lot of restraint for me to not post more of the stuff I wanted to on Twitter the other day. Like I felt like I was holding back posting the things that I was posting and, and they weren't pleasant. So really don't yeah. want to talk about that game, but at least I can... Uh, I, I guess I could go one more day and then we'll have to jump into it and talk about it. It's just, it's not going to be fun. Let's go ahead and break down uh, some of the games we saw on Sunday, though. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. So the first game that we are going to talk about, I should have put as the Texans and the Jaguars since that game started very early in the morning, but I didn't. I put the Titans and the Panthers. The Tennessee Titans losing this one 22-30. Kyle Allen just continues to win for the Panthers and and is really going to bring up a very interesting discussion with Cam Newton, which we can talk about here after we recap this stuff. So Ryan Tannehill, 27-39, 331 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions, added a rushing touchdown and 38 yards to come in as QB7 with 31.7 points. Derrick Henry was really the only stud that came through for everybody, though. 63 yards on 13 carries and a touchdown, added 36 yards on three catches and a touchdown to come in as RB4 with 24.9 points. A.J. Brown, wide receiver, 28 with 12.1 points, 81 yards on four catches, and Adam Humphreys, wide receiver, 32 with 10.5 points, 65 yards on four catches. Jonu Smith, a guy a lot of people, including myself, played, uh, hoping that he would continue to break out just 18 yards on three catches. So, Obviously, the Titans keep it somewhat close. I really think at this part, though, it's just Derrick Henry. I, I don't know if we've actually said this before. I know I was kind of hoping Adam Humphreys would do good. He's still giving you right around 10 points, but I just don't think, for me, there's anyone else I can trust going forward throwing in my lineup except for Henry. What about you? Yeah, same. Henry is uh, is an RB2, really, thanks to volume, and always has a chance to possibly get a touchdown receivers i mean we've seen Corey davis have a good game we've seen brown have a good game we've seen humphrey having a good game we've seen john smith have a good game somebody's gonna have a good game good luck deciding who it is yeah i mean i I hate to say this already but as a browns fan i'm I'm already doing mock drafts and and everything of course (laughs) we're gonna have probably like a top 10 pick and not even have first round picks gonna go to the wonderful new york giants uh but i do like uh just looking at the tennessee offense i think if they're able to get a good quarterback in this year's draft i I think they might be a contender as early as next year because they do have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball on the panthers side as i mentioned kyle allen uh, continues to win for the Panthers, 17-32, 232 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. To come in as QB 17 with 23.13 points, Christian McCaffrey just continues to dominate in the air and on the ground. 146 yards on 24 carries and two touchdowns, and then adds 20 yards on three catches and a touchdown to come in as RB1, 37.6 points. Both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel have good games, a little bit surprising for me. I, I had advocated to sit Samuel due to the injury. He comes through. 
more wide receivers, 16 with 17.1 points, 101 yards on seven catches, and then Samuel, 64 yards on three catches and a touchdown. Uh, as I mentioned, I apologize about the Samuel call. I honestly didn't think he would play that much, but comes through. Actually had a couple really nice grabs, uh, and then obviously the touchdown. DJ Moore gets his first 100-yard t- uh, season or game of the season. But the big talk was there was a report that came out late yesterday that Cam Newton could end up going on the IR. What are your thoughts moving forward with Kyle Allen if we do not see Cam Newton come back? Well, I think Kyle Allen's been a, a decent uh, real-life uh, quarterback, but I think really they're benefiting from uh, McCaffrey in my Monday night uh, football column today. I gave my midseason awards, uh, and for the NFL MVP, um, I picked McCaffrey. I think you can make a I case like for Russell Wilson. You can make a case for Deshaun Watson. But what McCaffrey has done is just amazing. I mean, the guy yeah. has 881 rushing yards and 10 TDs. He has 42 receptions and three TDs. And I said to put that in perspective, Mike Evans, who is wide receiver two in fantasy only has 50 receptions for 700 yards or for 842 yards and seven TDs. So, I mean, McCaffrey would be doing pretty well if he was just in the wide receiver consideration. What he's doing uh, combined is just ridiculous. And he's really carried that team. I mean, they were 0-2 when Newton went out. And that's usually a mark in which you say you start writing a team off. Yeah. They've been 5-1 and since. Kyle Allen has been fine i've been very impressed he only had really one dud game against the 49ers and he's probably in pretty good company there yeah but it's you know mccaffrey has put this team on his back literally and it's been uh very impressive you know the difference between you and me preseason with the panthers was i thought newton wasn't healthy and the panthers would fall apart you thought they could be a playoff team yeah they newton did fall it wasn't healthy and they've still been a playoff team, and that's a, a real credit to McCaffrey. Um, but you know, I think Moore and Samuel, we've talked about before, stay in that in that flex range. It really depends. You know, I don't think we've seen consistently that Allen is as high a volume passer as Newton was when he was going real well. You know, he's had some lesser games, um, but that that in part is because they've dominated on the ground. So I think you're going to see some fluctuation. Both those guys are in flex territory. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I mean, and it's also kind of seemed to be week to week with both of them, too. You'll have more have a good week than Samuel. This is really kind of one of the first weeks we've seen both of them have a good week combined. Uh, and as McCaffrey, I mean, it is ridiculous. You're getting an RB1 and a wide receiver 2 every single week from the same player. I mean, that's how ridiculous he has been all season long. I'm with you. I, in all honesty, I hope he keeps it up. I actually... uh I can't remember if I, I know I said it on the podcast, but I don't know if it was when we did the Panthers talk or we were just doing random running back talk with me and Dennis. Uh, but I actually said that I thought Christian McCaffrey could be the, the first player since I know Barry Sanders did it and there was someone else. Uh, that did a thousand thousand, a thousand receiving, a thousand rushing yards, and I, I'm I was hoping I don't think he'll quite hit that now as he's really kind of tapered off a little bit more on the receiving yards uh, than he was earlier in the season. But I, if he hits a thousand thousand, I think he easily should win the MVP. I, I do think it's probably Wilson, Watson, and McCaffrey. I think would be the three that are the front runners right now. And Rogers was up there, but he's had two bad games here recently, so I, I'd imagine he's kind of fallen off for some. 
Well, and I think Aaron Jones and the defense made a big difference for Rodgers. I think what you're really looking for to kind of separate people when you're talking about NFL MVP is that person who, without their performance, their team would be nothing. You know, yeah. and you look at a a six and three Seahawks team, and without Russell Wilson, you look at the rest of that roster, and you're like, you're still trying to figure out how. Or I guess they're seven and two. You're still trying to figure out how they're seven and two even with Russell Wilson, let alone without him. And McCaffrey, I think, you know, once Cam Newton went down, Greg Olson been a complete non-factor. They're a 5-3 and three team. They're in the midst of a playoff race. Yep. And that's because of Christian McCaffrey. He's simply unstoppable. Titans came into this game. You thought they had a pretty good defense. I think we all yep. thought they had a pretty decent defense, and that was probably a little bit more even so why some of us were fading the wide receivers this week. Uh, and, you know... Christian McCaffrey blew him open. They had to respond to that, and he opens up space for those receivers. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Let's see here. Now we'll get to the London game. The The Texans' uh, box score or, or final score, a little bit kind of deceptive here. They win 26-3. to It was actually a pretty close game leading into the fourth quarter. Minshew kind of throws a, a couple interceptions here. Uh, Deshaun Watson, though, continues his MVP candidacy uh, right there with Christian McCaffrey having a just fantastic game for the Texans in this one. 22 of 28, 201 yards and two touchdowns, adds 37 yards on the ground to come in as QB 10 with 29.24 points. Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde come through in this one. Hyde, 160 yards on 19 carries uh, to come in as running back 20 with 14 points. Duke Johnson, RB 11 with 19.1 points, 68 yards on five catches. Uh, and 13 yards on seven rushes with a touchdown. Hopkins continues uh, to be a very good wide receiver with Will Fuller out. Wide receiver 12 on the week with 19.4 points. 68 yards, oh, I'm sorry, 48 yards on eight catches and a touchdown. One rush for six yards. Did get a little lucky on his touchdown because I think Deshaun Watson scored on his leap into the end zone. Uh, they did. They uh, ruled that he was out at the one, which then... The next play was a throw to Hopkins in the end zone for a touchdown. Really, I think, I mean, obviously, Watson, Hopkins, are they're, they're in your lineups every week. That's not even a question. I mean, what are we doing at RB here? Because I really feel like the past couple weeks, it's been a serious question. Duke Johnson has been getting more and more work, but Hyde has actually been good and very serviceable. Are we getting to a point where we can play both of them? Do you think you can play, say, Hyde in, as an RB2 and Duke as a flex most weeks now going forward? I would still say for me, they're probably both in the flex range. Okay. Um, I did have a, a pretty huge day, but we haven't seen consistently those kind of numbers. So I think essentially what you got from him uh, on London in London going for 160 yards was the equivalent of where he normally would be in the probably 70 to 80 yards and can he get a touchdown? That's kind of the scoring. I, I see the upside. I don't know if I, I would be super excited if he was my RB2, although, you know, we probably all have leagues where that probably is the yeah. case. Duke Johnson, five targets, um, was the second most targets on the team. I noted um, one of the analysts, it was either Schefter or Mike Clay, noted that uh, Kiki Kuti didn't, wasn't in for a single snap yesterday, kind of an indication of how far he's fallen yeah. uh, off the depth chart. Kenny Stills it hasn't really taken that role and isn't really that kind of a receiver. Um, I think with Will Fuller out, we're seeing Duke Johnson's kind of in that mix to be the number two option in the passing game. 
Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week. It seemed like the two people that had benefited the most from Fuller coming out had been Hopkins, who was getting an even larger target share, and uh, Johnson. And that's just continuing. And as that continues, <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see if when Fuller comes back, what his target share is. But the big concern had been that Deshaun Watson didn't seem to look for running backs that much in the passing game. Yeah. Duke seems to be changing that a little bit, and if he can get consistent targets, we've seen what he can do as a receiver. He caught all five of his targets and took them for 68 yards. He trucked a guy at the goal line to get in yeah. on a short yardage yeah. running play, which was pretty impressive. So uh, I think they're both playing pretty well. Houston itself playing pretty well um, and you know, really fighting to get into the playoffs. Yeah, he really laid the dookie on him. I mean, it was it was it was a very good hit. It was a, I was I was impressed as a Browns fan. I was like, that's but that's the Duke that as a Browns fan we all fell in love with. Like he, regardless of how it ended there, he was a beloved member of that team because that's exactly what he would do every single game. You know, he's not that great of a rusher, but he can just for whatever reason in the receiving game is really really good. Uh, I hope that he continues to get work. And as someone who owns Hopkins in a couple leagues, I hope that Fuller doesn't come back anytime soon. Uh, because, I mean, you mentioned right there, Hopkins 11 targets this week again. Like, he's been double digits every single week with Fuller being out. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Stills, while he did only get the four targets, he did catch all four of them. So, I mean, he's he's getting some work. But, yeah, he's definitely not showing out anything. Like, we, we thought he might have, I think, that first week that he came over, um, in the preseason, I, I, I know, I think it was against the Saints. He caught that long touchdown against them, uh, where we thought they were going to end up beating the Saints. Actually looked really good, uh, and then really hasn't done much well, outside of that. He feels like, kind of like a boom bust wide yeah. receiver four, right? I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he's getting some targets. He's clearly, right now, he's probably the second most targeted receiver, but when Fuller comes back, he's probably clearly the third, third receiver now, yeah. unless Cootie's got some kind of mass injury, they're just not letting us know about. So that, from that standpoint, there's, you know, there's a chance as Jim Carrey would say, yeah. uh, but I, you know, I don't, how, how would, how good would you feel if you had to play Kenny still somewhere? Maybe you get four for 52, you get nine points and a, but maybe you get, I think was the last week was like one for 13 or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah That's where, you know, it's kind of that boom bust range. Uh, the last thing on the Texans, I, I don't want to. It is overreaction Monday, so I don't necessarily want to overreact to it. But Darren Fells, uh, just one target, one catch, was for a touchdown. So if you started him, you at least got your six points out of him. Worried at all about him moving forward? I can't remember exactly where you were on him last week. Uh, is he someone you're still thinking top? I would say 12, 14 ish tight end, or you think he's starting to fall down a little bit more and more every week? No, I think he's in that mix of, of tight end options. Okay. You know, if you were in the range where you were looking at playing an Ebron or a Jack Doyle or maybe you had had Olsen, you know, I would put him in there because he's had pretty good and consistent touchdown luck. So, yeah, he catches one for a, a single yard, but it's a touchdown. So in PPR, you just got 7.1 points. Well, you could do a lot worse among yeah. tight ends. I mean, if you're rolling Jimmy Graham out there, for instance, or your know, tight end's such a weird um, position this year. Uh, if you looked around at some of the handful of options, so before I made a trade in my 16-team league where I'm in a playoff com- uh, contention and got Mark Andrews, my tight end group was Fells, 
and Jack Doyle and Ian Thomas, who apparently uh, all of our hopes and dreams have dashed upon the rock. <laughs> but, you know, when I'm looking at it, I played Fel- Fells over Doyle a couple of weeks because I Fells, you know, I think Dennis said on Friday, you know, he might only catch three for 23, but it might also be two touchdowns if you're not watching. And that's what he's, he's right up there with touchdown scoring leaders because Jordan Aikens, that's the difference really between him and Aikens. I think Aikens had three targets, caught all three, 24 yards, but he, he's not had as consistent touchdown luck. Yeah, um, we just had a little bit of breaking news. Oh, it, did, it did break earlier, so I'll save that for after. Let's talk about the Jags really quick, and then I want to get into that. Uh, so on the Jaguars side here, if I can figure out what I did with my notes here, Minshew QB 24 with 14.51 points, 27 of 47, 309 yards and two interceptions. Does add 34 yards rushing. Leonard Fournette has a, a bad game here. I, I thought he'd have a I thought he'd have a fantastic game in this one. RB25, 12.2 points, 40 yards on 11 carries, uh, just 32 yards on 5 catches. Reichwell Armstead had a, a fairly good game uh, for a backup. Uh, RB27, 11.5 points. Uh, doesn't get any rushing yards, but does get 65 yards on 5 catches. And then Keelan Cole, the wide receiver we all thought we, you should start this week for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 80 yards on 5 catches, coming in at wide receiver 21 with 14.5 points. DJ Chark, just 32 yards on 4 catches Conley 32 on two so the big question is going to be Nick Foles the Jaguars heading into a bye this week week 10 which has got six teams on a bye is going to be hectic for fantasy football players all around big the big thought is going to be or talk is going to be is Foles going to come back and be the starting quarterback obviously uh Minshew did not leave a good taste in the coach's mouths with the last game that he played has played really good up until this week's had a couple I would say okay games, but all in all, a very good performance as a starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What are your thoughts on what they're going to do come week 11? I think you absolutely go back to Foles. I mean, wasn't this situation tailor-made for Foles? We've seen him do it twice for the Eagles. Uh, Jacksonville, four and five. They've, they've had some moments. They aren't quite there, but they're hanging around in the playoff picture, hanging around the division picture. You see a, a Nick Foles roll right in there and win five or six games and get into the playoffs. I think it's, you know, tailor made for him. Had Minshew lit it up the last few weeks, you know, maybe you make that decision a little bit tougher. I still like Gardner Minshew. I think he's still yeah. potentially got a future, but they paid Nick Foles a lot of money to get Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles who we've seen thrive in these kind of situations coming in in relief uh, for various reasons and helping get get a team just over the, the hump. Nick didn't do anything to deserve being benched other than getting injured. I think at this point in time, you give it back to him, you see what you got. Then after the season, you know, if it doesn't pan out, that's where Jacksonville has to look and decide, you know, do we want to keep paying Nick this much money? Do we want to give him a clean shot at this? Or do we go back to Gardner Minshew? But, uh, you know, Minshew's been been good. This is especially better than we expected. No knock on him. But I think this you definitely go to Foles and you try to get it done. And now time for the breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. 
Ronald Jones is now going to be the starter of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I cannot tell you, I am, I can, I can't explain how excited I am right now. He is going to finally prove me right that he is a very good running back, going to be a middle tier RB2 the rest of the season, I think. What are your thoughts? Ronald Jones, Bruce Arians has come out and said he will be the starting quarter, running back moving forward. Well, you know, to borrow from our friend Dennis, I feel like he's a little bit like the handsomest ugly guy at the dance. <laughs> so, you know, good for Ronald Jones, but I I don't know if I really really believe that the Tampa Bay running game uh, is a gold mine of fantasy points. Yeah, I do, and no, it's only because I believe in Ronald Jones. We can talk more about that tomorrow, as we don't have the Buccaneers uh, game on here. That will be one of that's a, one of the late afternoon games from Sunday, so we will talk about that more tomorrow. But I I love it as a as a person who's been touting Ronald Jones since he came out. Obviously, last year did absolutely nothing, uh, and has shown flashes this year. So I am excited to to possibly see what he could do in the starting back role. The next game up was, uh, I mean, really not much for us to talk about fantasy-wise, at least for one team. The Redskins lose to the Bills 9-24. Dwayne Haskins gets his first official start, 15-22, 144 yards, no touchdowns, more importantly, no interceptions. Comes in as QB 25 with 10.9 points. Adrian Peterson, who Dennis said to start on Friday, uh, pretty good call on his part. 108 yards on 18 carries. Does add a 22-yard catch as well to come in as RB 21 with 14 points. And Terry McLaurin comes in as wide receiver 45 with 7.9 points. 39 yards on four catches. Uh, I mean... McLaurin struggles a little bit here, as does Haskins. Again, one of the best pass defenses in the league, so I, I think we all kind of expect it. He still had to play McLaurin because he has that one-play ability where he can take it to the house. Uh, but uh, if you started him, you likely weren't expecting a big game out of him. Uh, the big news for me is Geis. We are now one more week away. He can come back in Week 11. He's already been practicing with the team. They have activated him off IR, but they cannot actually play him until Week 11. So if he's available, I talked about it a little bit last week as well, pick him up. I do think that they are going to run the ball through him for the most part. We have seen Coach Callahan is really committed to the run. Do you think when he comes back he is going to be the full workhorse, or do you think it's going to be some kind of split between him and Peterson? It's a good question. Uh, you know, the other question is can guys stay on the field for more than a quarter? Yeah. Um, I don't think that they will – completely phase Adrian Peterson out, but I would guess Geis would get a majority of the carries. They're on a bye this week, yeah. uh, and then they have a great matchup, actually, suddenly great matchup in Week 11 home against the Jets. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little bit of a situation that looks like Gore and Singletary. Nice. So that's exactly where I was going to go with it too. I, I would imagine. See, this is the hard part too because for fantasy, you're already looking at. You've got two weeks to assess what he's going to be able to do before you're in your fantasy playoffs. So if you have him and you're moving yeah. into your playoffs, you've you've really got to assess the situation quickly. My my whole point in picking him up is he is just so talented that if he does end up getting say a seventy thirty split. He is one of those running backs that can do a lot of damage with that 70-30 split, including the fact that Chris Thompson is still dealing with injuries and probably is not going to play anytime soon. Geis is a really good receiving back as well. Like he, yeah. a lot of people may not remember this. Again, I, I do a lot, I used to do a lot of stuff for a different website called QB List. Now I obviously write for Dynasty Nerds and I've always done this stuff for FLA as well. 
I pay a lot of attention to college football, and that, that's what I love doing is scouting certain players. Geis was right there with Barkley, and, and he hasn't been able to show it because he's been injured. I hope that he can stay healthy because I just love that kid. I think he's going to be really good in the NFL. So pick him up. I don't know if I'd start him week 10 or week 11 when they come off the bye, but if he has a good enough run and they seem to be giving him the ball more than Peterson, I would not be afraid to fire him up in week 12 and move forward. And then you are going to have to hope a little bit, as you said, that, that he stays healthy. You obviously don't want to put him in. He gets hurt in your, one of your fantasy, uh, playoff matchups, but he has enough talent that he could easily be a league winner, uh, for you if he's still available. On the Bills' side, you mentioned the running back situation they had there. Well, Devin Singletary had a huge game. I'm, I hope you guys listened and started him, as I said. I, I know uh, Frank Gore has been getting a lot of work, but Singletary is just too damn good to keep off the field. 20 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Gets 45 yards on three catches as well to come in as RB6 with 23 points. Josh Allen has a, an okay day here. QB18 with 23.1 points in this one. Going uh, 14 of 20 with 160 yards and a touchdown, adds 12 yards and a touchdown on the ground, a, a little QB sneak. John Brown, wide receiver 29 with 11.6 points, 76 yards on four catches. And Cole Beasley, 13 yards on two catches and a touchdown to come in at wide receiver 36 with 9.3 points. Dawson Knox, I felt got screwed a little bit, just 14 yards on two catches. I still think he scored that touchdown, but they did rule him down at the one. Um, I mean, the Bills have been a really good NFL team, uh, and they have some surprisingly good players fantasy-wise. A lot of people saying they're the worst uh, six and two team out there. I guess before we move on to the next game, just kind of, what's, what's your takeaway from here? I, I, I would assume you feel fairly good about starting Singletary now moving forward. Is there anybody else you feel comfortable plugging in to your lineup from this Bills offense? Um, I think Allen um, is not a bad QB option, especially if you're in super flex. Um, you know, he's always a threat to add rushing. Uh, he hasn't been too bad passing and he seems, you know, the, the biggest worry with him is if he's going to implode and turn the ball over a lot. He did fumble yeah. a couple times yesterday, didn't lose any, didn't throw any interceptions. I think he's really trying to work on that. Uh, Singletary, I think a little bit, we may have seen the passing of the torch a little bit yesterday. And that's what I wonder, you know, going back to Washington, if you don't see a little bit of the Peterson guys split um, as they work guys back in and he tries to get up to NFL game shape, I wonder now we had talked about if that wasn't a little bit of what they were doing with Singletary when he yeah. came back off that soft tissue injury, kind of splitting, working him back slowly, helping him get into game shape. And now it looks like they're kind of, it felt like a little bit yesterday was passing the torch. Hopefully it is moving forward. Um, cause I like him and his explosiveness. I think the other one I feel good about starting is John Brown. 20 passing okay. attempts yesterday, seven targets for John Brown. Um, that's more than a third of all of the pass attempts were going his way. He seems to consistently be leading them in targets and getting a high target share. When you can get that kind of a volume and you're a good enough player, good things can always happen. Um, so I think he's definitely a flex range player. Yeah, I actually kind of like that call about Brown. I was I was really hoping for good things from Knox here recently, but he just uh, hasn't been able to really take a big step forward again. In a weak tight end landscape, he was a guy who was looking to possibly have a breakout season. Uh, maybe it'll come later, but but for now, I'm with you. For me, he's just Singletary, uh, Brown, and then Allen at QB. I would honestly feel somewhat comfortable starting him outside of Superflex as well, just based on his, his rushing ability. We've seen that that's really kind of when he gets a bunch of rushing yards and those touchdowns can really kind of boost his numbers as well. 
Next up, we've got the Vikings and the Chiefs. A, I shouldn't say surprisingly good game because the Chiefs have been playing good without Patrick Mahomes, and they end up winning this game 26-23. to On the Vikings side here, I mean... Kirk Cousins, 19-38, 220 yards and three touchdowns in this one. Two, well, no, I'm going to say it. Three players that don't matter for fantasy, and that's the worst part about it and very frustrating. Uh, But does come in as QB6 with 32.5 points. Dalvin Cook, RB16 with 15.6 points, 71 yards on 21 carries, adds 45 yards on four catches. Amir Abdullah, because I'm sure everybody was playing him, comes in at RB27 with 11.8 points, 16-yard touchdown catch, and then adds two yards on one carry. Kyle Rudolph is, is the recipient at tight end here of a touchdown as well, 23 yards on three catches and a touchdown. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened with the Vikings. Diggs was horrible. We know Thielen... I- I would have. I wish I would have said it on Friday's podcast because uh, we didn't. I actually didn't think Thielen was going to play, so we didn't really talk much about Thielen. I would not have started him just because I hate when people come back a week after a hamstring injury. If it kept you out the whole game, it was pretty serious. I just don't see you coming back that quickly, and that unfortunately really screws fantasy owners because they still say, "Okay, they're good to go," and they throw him out there. And with a guy like Adam Thielen, it's hard to bench him because he is just so talented. He is one of the best wide receivers in the league. Goes out there after a couple plays, re-injures his hamstring, and then sits the whole time. Someone as a Diggs owner, and I know you are as well, as much as I hate to admit this, I was kind of happy to see that happen. Not that he was injured, but that he wasn't coming back in. He's like, all right, it's going to be Diggs time again. And then Diggs does absolutely nothing. It goes all to Ola B.C. Johnson. Dalvin Cook gets a ton of targets. I'm trying to think of what uh, what was Stephon yeah. Diggs. Stephon Diggs targeted four times. That's it. Yeah. Like It was just ridiculously bad, and it's just... Targeted the same number of times as uh, the great prolific receiver CJ Ham. Yeah, like it's just, oh, it's so frustrating, especially after seeing two huge games for Stefan Diggs. And now I do know that he missed one. Um, I was kind of flipping back and forth between a bunch of different games with the Browns being on later in that afternoon. I don't know if it was a touchdown catch. I thought that's what they said, but I do know that they supposedly he had like a long pass that he dropped. Or he just, or Cousins just missed him. So maybe that changes his fantasy day. But just extremely disappointing there with Diggs. Uh, well, I mean, what are you, what are you thinking with uh, uh, if Thielen is saying they say that he is good to go next week? Are you going to throw him back in your lineup again? Because I know you actually struggle with that decision this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I guess you'd really, you'd really have to think about it. I, I figured. So he actually had missed the previous game. So he had been out, and they had a nice kind of oh, yeah, right, off right. stretch. So it, it had been two weeks removed from the game in which he got injured like very early. Um, he had actually been in consideration to play that first Thursday night game. Uh, you know, he was doubtful going into that game and kind of got ruled out uh, the day of. So I thought, well, you know, if he was somewhat close, but they decided out of an abundance of caution, you get that kind of mini buy after you're on a Thursday night game. Uh, you know, I thought maybe it was trending to a good sign. But that's the thing about soft tissue injuries. Once you have one, you are more susceptible to others. So that was a little bit of a bummer. Um, you know, I think I would use caution. Um the Vikings in two weeks are going to be hosting Denver next week. They have, they're at the Cowboys figure to be kind of a, 
a higher volume passing game. So you'd like to get him out there, but it's it's going to be really hard to trust him, I guess, watching practice reports. Diggs, on the other hand, man, I, I don't know what to think about that. Suddenly, Kirk Cousins not only realizes that the tight end position exists, but he seems to just be in love <laughs> with it. Irv Smith gets six targets, five for Rudolph. Seven targets for Cook isn't that surprising. He was has been steadily getting a lot of targets out of the backfield. But then you throw in a CJ Ham was getting targets and Laquan Treadwell, the guy that they gave up on, released and brought back, actually gets five targets, three for fifty-eight, leads the wide receivers. Yeah. Just you know, yesterday was kind of a, a messy game. I'm wondering if Kansas City has improved a little bit on defense. They may not be the doormat they were at the beginning of the season. They seem to be getting a little healthier, maybe figuring some stuff out a little bit um, because they had a lot of new players. Uh, It was just, I mean, it was a really weird game uh, and even worse for fantasy. You know, I saw a lot of people talking about the, you know, of course you start Delvin Cook, probably some people started Madison and it's, Amir Abdul, who just comes in and gets the big touchdown play. Uh, catches one. BC Johnson only had two targets on one of them. He grabs for four yards and a touchdown. I mean, that touchdown is the difference between him and Diggs in fantasy. So, tough day. Um, You know, I think you're still playing Diggs if you've got him because of the talents there. Uh, Cook Cook does decent. Um, Thielen, I think it's really really a question i'd probably lean toward not playing him next week which of course you know then he plays and he's cowboys gets like a hundred and a touchdown yeah <laughs> and you have regret but i think you're almost at a position where you have to risk being one week late returning to the party than taking another zero those zeros are really hard to overcome yeah, uh, I mean, as someone who not necessarily took a zeros, but started Jacoby Brissett, and we're, we'll get to that game here in a little bit, and then due to that injury, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like like I said earlier, I, you can't fault yourself for playing Thielen, though. You, exactly you said, I forgot he was out the week before. That was why, another reason why Diggs went off. If they said that he came in and he's healthy and good to go, you just have to trust that he's going to do it because he's just that talented. It's not what we're talking about, oh, B.C. Johnson. You're like, oh, I don't know, should I throw him in my flex spot? No, it's Adam Thielen. If they say he's good to go, you just kind of have to trust it, and that is rough, especially getting closer and closer to the fantasy playoffs. Just games like that, you can't take zeros like that because every every week right now is a must-win game. Kyle Rudolph, though, you were talking about earlier, he, he seems to be looking looking more toward the tight ends. It's a couple good weeks in a row now for Kyle Rudolph. Is he moving back up into that top 12 tight end value for you? I mean, I would put him in that same group that we've talked about with people like Fells or Jimmy Graham or, uh, you know, Doyle or Ebron. They're, they're guys that have shown, that have a track record of some production and they're in pretty good offenses it's hard to say if the rise in tight end targets the last few weeks has been really because Thielen is gone too yeah Um, you know I think when we get a game back where we see Thielen playing because really you know he played the first drive in week seven caught the touchdown and was out missed all of week eight and really wasn't here for week nine. And those are kind of the three weeks in a row we've seen heavier tight end targets. Right. Um, it's hard not to believe there's a little correlation there. Oh, I'm sure there is. So if you, if you, if Adam Thielen out week 10, 
you can probably start Kyle Rudolph and expect something from him. After that, maybe don't start him and see what happens with Thielen back, assuming he does come back week 11 and see where that goes. On the Chiefs' side, uh, Matt Moore continues to be a decent QB for them. QB 16, 23.25 points, 25 of 35, 275 yards, and a touchdown. Damian Williams uh, pretty much gets most of his fantasy points on one play. 91-yard touchdown play, 12 carries, 125 yards, comes in as RB8 with 20.8 points. Tyreek Hill. Wide receiver 5, 26.5 points, 140 yards on 6 receptions and a touchdown. Probably more impressive that he chased down Damian Williams uh, on his touchdown run. Sammy Watkins, 63 yards on 7 catches. Travis Kelsey, 62 yards on 7 catches. Watkins, wide receiver 25 with 13.3 points. Kelsey tied in 9 with 13.2 points. Chiefs continue to win without Mahomes. Uh, I, I mean, I apologize for Williams. I did not think he was going to have any kind of good game here again. It, most of his points do come from the 91 touch yard run, but fantasy points are fantasy points. The one thing I will say on that is, so he got 12 carries to LaShawn McCoy's three. Are we seeing this backfield shift back toward Damian Williams? I feel like McCoy yes. had a couple fumbles the past couple weeks, and I feel like they're really starting to move back toward Williams. With that being said, since I heard you say yes, you agree, are you willing to now move Williams into a RB2 flex territory? Yeah, I think flex probably okay. makes more sense just because we haven't seen like super consistent uh, production. But McCoy looked like he had taken the edge and was getting a lion's share of the work. That fumble really seemed to have changed things. They threw Damian Williams in almost exclusively in the fourth quarter of that Sunday night game afterward. And he actually was making the most of his opportunities. And you saw him get the opportunity this Sunday. And again, making the most of his opportunities there. You know, he had some explosive moments last year. That's why some of us were excited to see what he could potentially do getting a lion's share of the workload. I think that we may have turned a corner here where they're looking at it like, and, you know, Damian Williams, another guy that was injured. Uh, and struggling with some soft tissue injuries and stuff the early yeah. part of the season. So, you know, could be a little bit of like what we saw maybe with uh, Devin Singletary, except for Damian Williams looked like he, he might have been dead. I was ready to write his obituary in that Green Bay game. <laughs> right. We had seen Darwin come in, Darrell Williams. They'd all had uh, carries or uh, or targets, and Damian Williams hadn't come in. And then McCoy put that ball on the ground. And all of a sudden, it, you saw nothing but Damian Williams to close that game, and that continued here. And as long as he can continue to produce, I think we've seen a, a changing of the guard again. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would maybe RB two is a little bit much. I would say easily flex territory if you can get any kind of running back who we've also seen he he can be uh, an asset in the receiving game as well. If you can throw a guy like that in your flex territory, or again, I mean, I would say even RB2 at least for the next couple weeks, because again, you've got six teams on a bye this week, and I think in two more weeks there's six teams on a bye. So he's a guy that could definitely be good for you moving forward, especially if they are going to really kind of commit to him. Next up, another game. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins get their first win, so we've got that going for them. At least Cincinnati Bengals, the the winners of the week without even playing a game. Dolphins 26, Jets 18. Sam Darnold comes in at QB 20 with 21.25 points in this one, going 27 to 39, 260 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Le'Veon Bell 66 yards on 17 carries and 55 yards on eight catches to come in as RB9 with 20.10 points. James 
Jameson Crowder has a big day. Wide receiver 9, 23.2 points, 83 yards and a touchdown on eight catches. And then Ryan Griffin, who I also thought got screwed out of a touchdown, 50 yards on six catches to come in at tight end 12 with 11 points. I personally, outside of Bell, I'm not trusting anybody. Maybe Griffin, because he has been kind of really good the past, I would say, I think it's the past four weeks at tight end. He's been getting a lot of touchdowns. Again, I thought he kind of got robbed. I know the the ball moved a little bit when he was falling to the ground, but I mean, both feet were down. He had it pretty much secured. I thought it was a touchdown. But I do think once Chris Herndon comes back, he's going to be a big player in this offense. So what are your thoughts on the Jets offense moving forward? Just how bad they've been. Are you trusting anybody for fantasy? Well, I think um, we need to keep an eye out on Le'Veon Bell. They said he had an MRI on yes, his knee today, did, yes. which um, as somebody who's been a longtime owner of Bell um, gives me a moment of pause. This Jets team is so bad. I mean, matchups don't get more prime than playing the Dolphins. Uh, a lot of people expected this to be you know, a get-right game. And it really wasn't. Um, there was some garbage time productivity, but just wasn't uh, that impressive. I was trying to look. Was Herndon inactive yesterday? I don't think they actually called him inactive. I know. So I had him plugged in a lot of my lineups because I think it was. Yeah, on, I thought he was active. Yeah, he was. So so what happened was like on Wednesday or Thursday, Adam Gase had come out and said that he expects him to play, and then all of a sudden he popped up with a, the the groin injury or hamstring injury was still bothering him, and so then there was talk that he might be inactive, and then. The last thing I remember is I was watching a bunch of stuff Sunday morning was saying that he is not going to be inactive, but he's not, he's likely not going to play. And so that's when I just removed him from my lineup. I was like, I'm not even going to risk it. So there's hope maybe he'll be back this yeah. week, but at this point, I, I just don't think you know. Debut. I thought I had to go yeah. um, look it up. He was not inactive, but I, you know, I had wondered last week, they had something going with Ryan Griffin who played pretty well, who's a guy that they, uh, brought in mm-hmm. um, and I wonder if it's going to be I mean think Adam Gase a little bit of a wild card maybe Herndon's <laughs> going to have to play his way back in because he's never actually played for Gase or right. in this Adam Gase offensive system uh, you know he made his mark a little bit last year under under an old regime so it's not yeah. like their loyalty or familiarity to plug right in so i wasn't a hundred percent sold he just roll right into his position i think that's still possibly the case especially since griffin had really kind of started to come on you know eight targets six for 50 like you said i also think he caught a touchdown i think most of the free world thinks he caught a touchdown we're yeah. back to not knowing what pass interference is and yeah. not knowing what a catch is unfortunately yeah, unfortunately, yeah feels like we've regressed to the early 90s but uh you know this Jets team I, I don't know what to make going forward uh Le'Veon Bell's worth keeping an eye on um but I had expected this to be kind of a great matchup we saw you know what teams have been able to do uh, against the Dolphins and we did not see much out of the Jets they're yeah. they're a tough tough team I mean it's hard to believe this is the team that Went out there and just crushed Dallas. Yeah, three I know. weeks ago. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, yeah. The um, uh, or go ahead. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's I mean, I I rolled Robbie Anderson in a, in a couple of leagues, hoping to get some high upside. I rolled Darnold. I think you were on that chain in my yeah. vampire league, thinking that was going to be a good, you know, high upside matchup. We just 
no matchup seems to be good enough to get them going right now. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I would. I mean, I was. I remember going back. I would say it was probably three weeks ago now. I, I was telling people that Sam Darnold was going to be a good play going forward because he had a really cake matchup moving forward throughout, yeah. like their I think till week fifteen, and, and that just doesn't seem. I wouldn't play him at all anymore moving forward. I just don't know if you can trust him. Uh, the one thing I'll say on Herndon, it was one of the reasons why I was so big on Herndon this year. Uh, was just because obviously we saw it last year with a little bit Sam Darnold. He used to, he was kind of Sam Darnold's safety blanket, but with Adam Gase coming over, uh, Gase has spoken highly about him. He said that he wanted to draft Herndon and bring him to Miami when he was in Miami instead of bringing in Gasicki. So that was kind of my thoughts on why, okay, well, he already wanted this guy on his other team. Why well, I thought he might be good here, but I, I would not doubt that you're right here with the Ryan Griffin thing because he has been he's been fa- he's been fantastic for at least five weeks now might even be before that I've really kind of only been paying attention to him for the past four or five weeks uh, and he's been phenomenal so I would not be surprised with the especially with the way the Jets are playing that Adam Gase doesn't go to him like look dude you gotta you gotta earn your way back into the lineup because you you've missed all this time now due to the suspension and then your injury. Speaking of injuries and suspensions, we've got two of them here on Miami. Um, unfortunately, yeah. when is a when is a win actually a loss? Yeah, the right now. Yeah, exactly. So we'll start with the easy stuff first. Ryan Fitzpatrick, twenty four thirty six, two hundred eighty eight yards and three touchdowns to come in as QB four with thirty five point seven points. Mark Walton, RB thirty six with seven point one points, twenty nine yards on twelve uh, carries and added uh, twelve yards on three catches. Preston Williams just. Sucks for this kid. Has been really good the past couple weeks. Has a really big game here. 72 yards, two touchdowns, five catches. Wide receiver seven with 24.2 points. Uh, Devontae Parker continues to be very good as well. 57 yards, one touchdown, four catches. Wide receiver 20, 15.7 points. And then Mike Gesicki, 95 yards on six catches. We're going to dive deep into the Dolphins here for a minute. Um, Mark Walton... Gone for the next four weeks. Uh, for me, I think fantasy-wise, if you're a redraft, he's droppable at this point. I don't think he's going to do anything for you moving forward. Uh, substance abuse issues, so he, he's gone for at least four weeks. By the time he comes back, you're almost done with the, your seasons at this point. I don't think he, he gets his job back if he does. I'm not expecting much out of him. Preston Williams out for the rest of the season with a knee injury. That's a Big blow. Uh, I really like this kid, un- undrafted free agent. I think he only signed a one-year contract. So that really sucks for as good as he has been with the Miami Dolphins to, to kind of unfortunately end his season that way. Um, you know, I guess let's get your thoughts on those two things first, and then we'll move on to – I got a, a question for you about Mike Gesicki. Yeah, really kind of a, a rough blow. You know, we were talking about – uh, this time last week, you know, are there any players you're interested in the Dolphins? Well, Mark Walton looked like a guy could have flex value. Preston Williams really coming on, maybe wide receiver three territory, and now they're they're both essentially gone. I kind of agree with you. Walton wasn't uh, very impressive last week against Pittsburgh. Wasn't impressive against a fairly soft uh, Jets team, and now. Um, not eligible to return until week 14. So redraft, droppable. I think his future is still an interesting open question mark. Yeah, um, I agree with that, yeah. Supposedly, according to the report, the Dolphins were in communication with the NFL and knew this was a possibility when they made uh, their trade. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of a, if he finally gets an opportunity – 
uh, and this hands down. I think it's weird timing too, because supposedly it's for arrests that were made between January and March. Why he wasn't given a suspension in the early part of the season is kind of uh, curious timing to me too. Going to be interesting to see what Kalen Bellage does. He hasn't done much at all this season. A lot of people thought he might be the Dolphins' back to step up. Looks like he has a pretty clear path to touches. Um, wouldn't it be interesting if they end up having to go sign somebody like a Jay Ajaye back? Well, they have. A, well, I was going to ask you about that. So they have. A, a, I think it's Patrick Laird, a guy that a lot of people right now have been talking about. I'm not going to lie. I don't know much about him. Uh, but a lot of people are talking him up as to be the guy. They also have Miles Gaskin, who I loved coming out of Washington State. But he Gaskin's more of a receiving back. I, I, he had a lot of carries at Washington. Uh, I think averaged a thousand yards a, a year, if I can remember correctly, for Washington. The Husky, the Huskies, really good prospect. Yeah. I don't know if he could handle the fur, full workload. But there are a lot of people talking up Patrick Laird. So would you, with waiver wires coming up Tuesday, you know, are you, you using any fab money or anything on one of these guys? Like, I, I would no. personally lean Gaskin. I wouldn't, I wouldn't shoot, I wouldn't blow the rest of your, your fantasy load on it. Like, I would not blow the rest of your fab budget on, on, on Gaskin. But if you can no. get him for, I don't know, I'd say 10% of what you have left, I'd probably do it. Cause I think he could be no. good, but I don't, I, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I hate to, I hate to say it that no. way because it's not a very good analyst, but I, I, I would, this it's going to be interesting. They also have a guy named Chandler Cox. The, and the only running here. back that they have on their roster who's taken carries or really been involved in an actual game is Bellage. Yeah. So I think if you're going for somebody, that's who you're going for. But honestly, running back for Miami has not produced consistent fantasy points, even when yeah, they had Kenyon true. Drake, who we just saw go ham against the 49ers on Thursday night. So um, I feel like um, America can thank us because you and I, we're so low on Kenyon Drake uh, going into that Thursday game. I believe he listened. Oh, um, I'm sure he took, did. Took I, that to took that to heart. Matter of fact, uh, but I, Miami. A... I don't know what you would want in this Miami backfield. I, you know, I probably look at Ronald Jones as if he was the second coming of Saquon Barkley before <laughs> I take one of these Miami backs. He is the second coming of Saquon Barkley. That's what you don't know. Uh, and I do. I am with you. Uh, I know Kenyon Drake listened because I could have swore. When he scored that touchdown, I, I swore he was flipping off the camera and said, F you, Mats. And I know he had to have been talking about us. There's no other Mats that, that are doing a podcast together. So I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But I could be wrong. Maybe I misread his lips. Uh, the last question on well, my we end. already know Brandon Allen listened to uh, the Friday podcast and heard Dennis. I know. So I'm, I'm I, per- you know, I think we're getting a lot of these second-tier players are listening to us yeah, uh, doubt their ability. I'm really going to start going all in on on bashing the Browns every week. Maybe Baker will start listening and do something. That's the hope. Uh, We did say second-tier players, right? Oh, come on. That hits deep, buddy. You already beat us. Like, come on, man. I can't can't handle this anymore. I'm going to start crying here in a minute. Uh, Before we move on from the Dolphins, Gesicki, do you have any interest in him? He's had a couple good games here. I mean, two points last week against Pittsburgh. And then I think it was 6-6 and against Buffalo and Washington. Uh, and then obviously yeah. the 12 points this week. So any interest in him moving forward? Got a couple good matchups in the next couple weeks. Yeah, and preseason, you know, when I had written about a few of the Dolphins players uh, sparingly, the idea was to me, if Fitzpatrick uh, was back there, any of them could have some interesting value because you figured the Dolphins were going to be behind or struggling or, you know, having to throw in a lot of games. And Fitzpatrick, we've seen him 
before, you know, he's a lot of things, but definitely a guy that just isn't afraid to throw the ball and sling it all over the field. And, you know, I think we've seen that since he returned to this, to the starting spot. Um, you know, he's been getting guys involved. It's a real bummer losing Preston Williams, but Devonte Parker seems to have pretty well established himself. If you are looking at, uh, who, you know, might be next up in that target race, you know, we've seen Albert Wilson out there. We've seen Alan Hearns out there. Uh, we've seen Jakeem Grant out there. None of them has really impressed, but Gasecki has already kind of established a little bit of a role. And I think, you know, much how I've been watching Denver, who I know we'll talk about tomorrow, wondering who was going to step up and get that second wide receiver opportunity with Emmanuel Sanders leaving. It ended up being Noah Fant, the tight end who seems to be establishing himself as that number two kind of option. I think we may see some of that in Miami. And we've talked before about the the tight end position. If you have one of six or seven guys that are bankable, you know, like a Kelsey or a Hooper or, uh, you know, an Ertz or maybe Evan Ingram, somebody that you're, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, Kittle, but I mean, really that's probably all of them. That's that's probably all of them right there. You're, you're rolling with, you're rolling with them, a Waller, you know, you're happy, yeah, Waller, you're rolling yeah. with them. But then there's like this group of 10 or 12 guys where you could make a case for any of them week to week looking at matchups and, and opportunity. And I think the one thing you know, Miami, they're not getting a lot out of the run. That's not getting any better with Drake shipped off and Walton suspended. With Preston Williams out, I think there's an opportunity. Gusecki growing into the offense, a young player. Uh, that they like, I think he's got just as good a chance as anyone. All right, next up, we've got the Bears and the Eagles. The Bears 14, Eagles 22. Mitch Trubisky just continues to struggle. 10 of 21, 125 yards. I believe going into the sec- into halftime, they only had, I believe it was one yard positive in the game. Like, it was just a bad game. For this offense, David Montgomery, speak, I don't want to say second tier players because I love David Montgomery. Uh, but speaking of guys who probably listened to the podcast Friday, I said, uh, to sit David Montgomery, I didn't think he'd do anything against the Eagles. 40 yards, two touchdowns on 14 carries, 36 yards on three catches to come in as RB7 with 22.6 points. And Taylor Gabriel, again, the guy we all probably started, right? Because he's just the best wide receiver on this team. 69 yards. Three catches, wide receiver 34 with 9.9 points. David Montgomery, I mean, that's my bad. Uh, Eagles had the, I believe it was the second or third best rush defense in the league. Like, they've just been phenomenal. I really, I mean, really, in all honesty, I feel like, obviously, Montgomery doesn't score the two touchdowns. He does not have that good of a day. But he does get them. It is what it is. They were both one-yard rushing touchdowns. Good for him. I actually had to start him in a couple of leagues. So he comes through for you if you played him. If you didn't, it was not the wrong call to bench him, in my opinion, because, again, without the two rushing yard touchdowns, one-yard rushing touchdowns, he does nothing. And really, the second one, they tried twice, I believe, to score with Tariq Cohen, and he couldn't do it. And then Montgomery came in and got it. What are we doing with this offense, though? I mean, we already know Matt Nagy has come out said they're not making a change at quarterback. Mitch just looks lost out there. I, I don't even know what to say. Allen Robinson had seemed to be able to survive that every single week. Maybe this was just a bad week for him, but, I mean, just one catch, six yards. Like, I, I honestly feel like even as much as I love David Montgomery, I'm not sure I can start him every single week now. 
Yeah, I think it is a bad game for Allen Robinson. Still leads the team in targets with five, only catches one for six. Sometimes these things happen, matchups, coverage. They are not a great team. Um, I think Allen Robinson probably is a real low-end wide receiver two or wide receiver three territory. <laughs> I still think he's the best uh, in this group. Taylor Gabriel, you know, 69 yards, but he has one 53-yard reception that really kind of makes it. Uh, Montgomery, I still think the logic was sound. It wasn't a great matchup. 14 for 40 yards, only averages 2.9 yards a carry. Gets those two touchdowns, kind of puts it over. The three for 36 interceptions looks great until you see he kind of caught one for 30 yards and then two for six, you know, kind of middling. Cohen's unplayable to me. Um, Montgomery is probably an RB3. Um, he seems like they're getting consistent volume. I know a couple of weeks ago, Nagy came out and said he knows he has to commit to running the ball. We aren't seeing Davis appearing in there anymore. Yeah. Uh, it seems like they really have kind of focused on Montgomery giving them the best chance. And so opportunity is a big thing. And for that reason, Montgomery and Robinson, I think, are still going to remain in the starting consideration. But this team has taken a giant step backward from where oh, they yeah. were. Um, and so you have to moderate expectations, I think. Yeah, I mean, so that that's my big thing with David Montgomery is, and it was one of the reasons why I, I liked him so much. I, I just didn't think Tariq Cohen. I know there's a lot of talk about Cohen and Mike Davis, but if you really go back, just look at his past five games, 14 carries against the Eagles, 27 against the Chargers, 11 against Oakland, 21 against Minnesota. He's getting the carries, and he's talented enough, I think, to get points. Uh I just I don't know if I can trust this offense. I really feel like with as bad as Mitch Trubisky is, they can really start keying in on David Montgomery or the rushing game and try and force Mitch Trubisky to beat you in the passing game. And I just don't know if he can do that at this point. So I, I would still I would probably have Montgomery a little bit higher than an RB three for me. I'd probably say low end RB two. Uh, again, I've always been very high on him, so maybe that's just a little bit more of my bias toward him. Uh, but if they continue to give him the ball like this, as you just said, opportunity is key. Volume is key in fantasy. If he can keep getting it, I think you play him because, again, even if he only gets you two touchdowns, for, it was just one yard rushing for two touchdowns. It doesn't matter. The points come. The fantasy points are, is all that matters. So I would I would feel comfortable starting him if he's going to continue to get that workload. On the Eagles side here, same thing really with the, with the running back backfield here that's kind of confusing. So Jordan Howard gets 19 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown, comes in at RB17 with 15.3 points. Miles Sanders just 10 carries, 42 yards, but does get 31 yards on three catches to come in as RB29 with 10.3 points. Carson Wentz, QB15 with 23.56 points in this one. 26-39, 239 yards, one touchdown, and zero interceptions. Uh, much like the Chicago Bears, wide receivers did absolutely nothing here. You had Dallas Goddard get 39 yards on four catches. Alshon Jeffrey, the best wide receiver on the day, 36 yards on four catches to come in at wide receiver 50 with 7.6 points. But Zach Ertz has his come out party of 2019. He is finally giving you everything you had hoped for all in one game. Finishes the week as tight end one with 25.3 points, nine catches, 103 yards, and one touchdown. Do we think Ertz is back back, or is it just that one good week? Because, again, yes, Ertz did get 11 targets, 9 catches, but Dallas Goddard still does a little bit of work here. He does get 5 targets, which was the third best, or fourth best, actually, in the league. Jeffrey and Aguilar also uh, outsnapped him. What do we think? And Ertz back, good to go, or are we still worried about Goddard? 
I mean, I think Ertz is still a tight end. I don't think you ever stopped playing him. Uh, but is his ceiling going to be as high as it used to be? That's the part. I, I don't know. Goddard is still involved. But, you know, you look at the wide receiver situation, the running back situation um, for the Eagles. Uh, you know, Sanders has some big play abilities getting in there a little bit. Um, but really, they aren't getting a lot of the receivers. We saw Deshaun Jackson back, only got one target, caught it for five yards, wasn't really a factor um, Aguilar gets eight targets, only catches three for 21. Not really a factor. Jeffrey has been kind of up and down. You thought maybe he would have a decent game against his old, old team, but yeah. not, not really much happening there. I still think Ertz is, is a good enough receiver and has good enough talent that he's going to have games like this, but he's probably also going to have games like he had last week where he only caught three for like 37 or something like that. So, you know, it's a fungible position. You're still starting them. I still think both are start worthy. Yeah. Both oh, he and Goddard. Yeah, I agree with that. And Jackson is uh, also out. I believe the report is four to six weeks now with a core injury. He's having surgery. Of yeah, so don't expect him back anytime soon. Last game for today, the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh pulling off the upset in this one, 26-24. On the Colts side, so we saw Jacoby Brissett get injured. Knee injury, we have not heard on the severity yet. A lot of talk uh, that they think it's the MCL, uh, but because he had a brace on already, there's thoughts that he avoided anything serious. Could be back as early as next week, but they might hold him out one week uh, because they do go into their bye, I believe, in week 11. So Brian Hoyer steps in and actually plays really good. 17 to 26, 168 yards, three touchdowns, one interception to come in as QB 13 with 25.57 points. Marlon Mack continues to do his really good game one week, really bad game the next. 21 carries, 89 yards, coming in as RB 31 with 8.9 points. Zach Pascal continues to be the wide receiver of note here in Indianapolis. 76 yards on five catches and a touchdown. But Paris Campbell shows up a little bit. 53 yards on five catches, wide receiver 27 with 13 points. Jack Doyle, 22 yards, three catches, one touchdown. Tight end 11 with 11.2 points. I was super excited to talk about Paris Campbell and him possibly breaking out. He is now missing time as well with a broken hand. So you can now not rely on Paris Campbell. So for me, with that, whether Brissett is in or out next week, I think obviously if you have Mac, you're playing him. He's, he's probably a low-end RB2. But I actually think you can start Zach Pascal as well with Brian Hoyer. What would you do if, if you think Jacoby Brissett is going to be out? Like I said, we have not heard for sure yet if he will be in or out. What are your thoughts on the Colts offense next week without Brissett? Yeah, and just one correction. The Colts have already had their bye week. Oh, okay. Um, I'm so sorry. I mean, they got the Dolphins cut, next week. That is a bye, technically. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I meant to say. Yeah, well, and I think Brissett's injury is another reason, as I said earlier, that I would lean toward Foles coming back because, uh, you know, you've seen kind of some instability at the top of the division. Um, Brissett, you know, an MCL sprain doesn't you know seem like that great of a thing seems like something that could limit mobility ty hilton missed yesterday i don't know where uh, his health he, is going to be he's supposed to be up three to four weeks i believe is what they reported saturday so you're probably looking at it's going to be you're looking at i would guess week 12 13 is before the first time he'll be back yeah so the dolphins might be in line for their second uh 
when nah they'll tank they'll tank like crazy there ain't no way they're gonna win another game I think Brian Flores wanted that one so they don't go 16 that's all right they'll pull him they'll be like hey I don't care that you just threw three touchdowns and you're up on the Colts you you're playing like shit let's put Josh Rosen in or we need to see what we, no that, that here's what we'll do we need to see what we have for our future so Josh Rosen go out there give him hell that's what's gonna happen since it's a good matchup uh, with the Dolphins, I think even if Ware's playing, you're you're already going to play Marlon Mack. Uh, as much as it probably pains both of us uh, to say, uh, Jack Doyle's touchdown actually came from Hoyer. Um, he looked like he was looking for Doyle more. He actually had that horrific uh, pick six to make a Fitzpatrick, I believe, was on the yeah, target was, to Jack Doyle. It was, yes. So, <laughs> You know, he's looking for Jack, so so that's got to make us feel better. So he would probably be the tight end I would lean uh, toward, but I think Pascal has established that he's probably the next uh, best receiver, and I liked what we saw from Paris Campbell. Got a couple yeah. of carries, which was kind of fun, three for 27. Had five targets, caught all five of them for 53. We Many of us were really high on him coming into the season, in part because a piece of the Andrew Luck offense, but in part because there is this opportunity you're starting to get, you know, weeks 10, 11 now. These guys have been in the system for a while, have gotten yeah. a taste of playing pro ball. Campbell had been dinged up, so he's getting healthier. I think, uh, you know, Chester Rogers is not going to be a real threat to him or any any of these other players. So, you know, I think Campbell and Pascal could both have well, uh, some appeal against the Dolphins team. Well, Campbell's, you know? Campbell's likely out. He he has a broken hand. That's what I was saying. Like I I, I hated that because I, I I love that kid coming out of Ohio State, but they said he's got a broken hand. So I I, I can't remember exactly what the report said. I know for sure he's out this week, uh, but I can't remember if it said he's out multiple weeks or not. So we won't even get. A chance oh yeah, now it says posted. We'll undergo surgery. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's even worse. Then yeah, there ain't no way he's. I would imagine come back even this season. So that's are just you sure worse. the Dolphins aren't gonna win their second game? No, of the I'm not. That's what. I well, I think the only reason they do is if they're like Josh Rosen, go out there and show us what you got, and then Rosen well, this will just, is be just bad. some really unfortunate luck. I mean, yeah. Marlon Mack could be in line for 95 carries. Well, I guess Naheem Hines. You know, you thought it might be yeah, against I, the Steelers. They may really need him. Uh, yeah, they really need all, him yeah. here. Because so, I Chester Rogers, I know he caught a touchdown yesterday. It's hard for oh, me to really believe no, in him. I'm with you. So, I think if if you're relying on Chester Rogers at this point, you just I would probably just fold for the season. Like, all right, it's done. Like, we're we're done. This is just unfortunate. This is the way my season's gone. Which is probably me in a couple leagues. That's probably where I'm gonna have to lean on. So that's why I know my fantasy season sucks in 2019. Um, yeah, uh, they're not going to give Brian Hoyer a lot to work with, it looks like, no. if he does play. And I don't know if I would risk, you know, considering the Dolphins and considering you're going to be in a playoff race. And after after that Dolphins game, they have the Jaguars, and then I believe they have a Thursday night game with the Titans, and then they yeah. play the Texans. No, so they have Texans on the Thursday night game, and then they're at the Titans. That's a three-game stretch. That's not only important, but it's going to be pretty crucial to their division and playoff yep. hopes. I think if I'm them looking at the tea leaves, I'm not playing uh, Brissett unless I think he's 100% because you're going to need him for that Jaguars-Texans-Titans stretch. And they play the Jags and Texans within four days of each other. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's a pretty crucial stretch to their playoff hopes. 
yeah, I'm with you. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I said. That's what I meant to say. They have a bye week in the Dolphins, so you know that I would I would imagine he's not going to play, but I could be wrong. That's something to to definitely watch. But I'm with you. I think it, regardless of if he's in there or Hoyer, you really only have Pascal and Marlon Mack at this point. Maybe maybe uh, Doyle if if um, my goodness, I just forgot his name. If Hoyer is in there. On Pittsburgh's yeah. side, Mason Rudolph, 26-35, 191, a touchdown and an interception to come in at QB 22 with 20.14 points. Jalen Samuels steps in for Connor and does most of his work in the receiving game. 73 yards on 13 catches, adds 10 yards on 8 carries, RB 10 with 19 points. James Washington, the best wide receiver on the day, 69 yards, 4 catches. Wide receiver, 31 with 10.9 points. And Vance McDonald, tight end 6 with 30 yards on 5 catches and a touchdown. Juju, just 5 targets, 3 catches, 16 yards. As long as Connor's out, I'm fine playing Samuels. We we know that he can be very good in the receiving game. He'll do just enough in the rushing game to get you points. I'm not worried about that. Is it time to bench Juju? I know he had a big game coming out of the bye, but we've seen more of these bad games with Mason Rudolph than what we saw two weeks ago. Again, that was also against the Dolphins, who we know are a very bad secondary. What are your thoughts? What are you doing as someone who owns Juju? Yeah, I think it's probably, you know, he's probably a flex play. It depends on what your options are there are a couple of leagues where i've had them the last couple of weeks where if i had better options i did roll them out there it's just not consistent enough they do have maybe a softer defensive part of their schedule coming up the rams you know if he gets jalen ramsey you have to figure that's going to be a real tough uh tough go uh then you know cleveland cincinnati cleveland arizona maybe a better stretch um you know, have to wait and see, but it doesn't seem like uh, the passing offense is consistent enough um, to wide receivers. I, you know, you had a great call on Friday with Samuels uh, being a, a pick because he was going to get a lot of dump offs, 13 for 73. Yeah. The rushing usage was a little bit weird. We still don't know where Connor is at. The fact that rumors came out that the Steelers inquired into uh, uh, getting Le'Veon Bell last week kind of makes you think that Connor injury is a little bit worse than they uh, were letting on, which is a red flag for me. Um, but, you know, the Steelers are still trying to make a push. They're still talking about playoffs. They're back to four and four. Um, there's going to be some value. It just, it's, we're not going to see what we were hoping to see from. Smith Schuster, I think it's going to be kind of a lost season. Yeah, that's unfortunate. As someone else, uh, I know you did as well, and me, uh, as people who built around uh, Juju this season, it really sucks. Uh, Big Ben going down. And you, I, in all honesty, I thought even Big Ben going down, Juju was going to be just fine, and it just has not worked out. Uh, worked out for him, but uh, I guess that is part of fantasy. You can just never know. Uh, Matt, I appreciate you joining me tonight. I hope you enjoy the uh, the Cowboys and Giants game. Uh, I don't know if you have any leagues in the balance tonight. I don't. I'm losing pretty much all of them, so I, I don't really care for the game tonight. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow about, unfortunately, the Broncos and the Browns game. I, I was hoping to possibly avoid that game altogether, but I do feel like we need to talk about it to kind of get the – Get the bad juju off of me after the after the Dennis call last week. We got to we got to apologize to the Broncos <laughs> and Brandon Allen. So I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Yeah, look forward to seeing you and uh, 
Go Team Go, number one wide receiver, Amari Cooper. <laughs> oh, God. No, I hope Amari – no, I shouldn't say anything bad. I'm knocking on wood right now. I, I don't mean anything. Amari Cooper, <laughs> good luck to you, my son. All right, I will talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you later. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play?